guys, I'm Vanessa. And I'm Laura. And welcome to another episode of A Tap on the Wrist. I think we're on 23 now. Yes. It's holiday edition. It is a holiday edition, because mm-hmm. yesterday was President's Day. And so, we are celebrating our presidents. We are indeed celebrating the presidents. I'm actually... Most of them. Most of them. I am very excited about this episode because it was one of like the first ideas I ever had when we decided what our podcast, <laughs> you ever had period <laughs> when we decided what our podcast was going to be about uh-huh like last yeah April I remember you had said let's do an episode on presidents and like we were each going to do one president but then you were like I don't know if there's enough information to do just like one president alcohol wise Right, so we decided to do what we did today. Yes. Which is showcase 44 presidents and their drinking habits. (laughs) We decided to leave current politics out of it. Yeah, exactly. For the most part. Yeah. We figured we'd end on a strong (laughs) note. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, I'm excited that not only the podcast is still happening. Yes. But that we made it to President's Day. I know. And we're able to record this episode. Because wouldn't you have been so sad if we had just given up and your idea never got made? If we only made 22 episodes, <laughs> we never made it to this point. I would, I would have been pretty devastated. Do you have any good President's Day week plans? We're recording this pre-President's Day week, so... Yes. Well, schools schools are closed. You already mentioned it in your last episode. In the last episode. In your last episode. (laughs) So I am currently, as people are listening to this, in Austin, getting my first taste of Texas. So I hope you guys already sent her some some suggestions, Mm -hmm. because... I'll just sit lonely. (laughs) No, I have done a lot of research and I'm really excited about like the drinking scene in Texas. Yeah. So I have cousins that live there and they are going to take me to some bourbon distilleries. And then I've done some research on some really cool like speakeasy bars in Austin. Um, So I'm excited. Nice. What about you? I'm going to be in Disney. Woo! (laughs) Just running a 5K, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I actually, I was telling the two friends that I'm going with, I'm unsure if I'm going to do the 5K, as I'm just recovered from the flu, and, you know, I still have an injured arm, so I can't, like, really swing my arms and, and walk to help. I feel like you have to use your arms while you walk run. Uh, so I'm so not you're 100- just going to Disney. <laughs> yeah, I'm not 100% sure I'm actually doing the 5K, but I am, in fact, going to Disney. <laughs> Well, that's exciting. So I don't really need drinking recommendations from people. Unless there's, like, a really good Disney bar. Like, our hotel, for instance, apparently has a really nice cocktail lounge. Nice. So if there's any Disney drinks you, you well, think you, I need. When we went to Disney last year and we went to the, the... It was, like, a Guardians of the Galaxy restaurant and got those crazy... I don't remember. My cocktail was green with boba, but it was alcoholic. Oh, it's not. It wasn't Guardians of the Galaxy, wasn't that just in Animal Kingdom? Yes, but it was in the Guardians of the it Galaxy. It was Avatar. Avatar. <laughs> Avatar. I knew it was something. I was I like, didn't know anything about. <laughs> I was like, I feel like Disney doesn't have any Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, <laughs> except in the California one does. Oh, because they took over Tower of Terror, made it a Guardians ride. Oh, right, right. Oh, yes, you're right. It was Avatar Land at Animal Kingdom. Yeah. And we had those slushy cocktails with boba. Yeah, they were really good, actually. So, Disney has, you know, you're going to pay $49 I mean, for it. is known for drinking, right? Yeah, you can right? drink around the world. Yeah, so. I think that should be your challenge. <laughs> drink around the world and report back. Yeah, okay. <laughs> But until then, maybe one day for our like 200th episode, we'll we'll do it oh after gosh. we've drank around the world. Podcast road trip, <laughs> Disney World, Epcot, drink around the world. Yep, totally. I'm in it. If let's, we're let's if we make it all the way to episode 200, that's a lot. That's like years from now. <laughs> I was gonna say we make it to like the year 2021. Okay. <laughs> that's good. That's going to be our new goal. How about the next time there's a new president? Okay. So hopefully 2021. 
But <laughs> but in the meantime, in the meantime, you guys, this episode we have gone presidents one to forty four in order, yep. highlighting their craziest drinking anecdotes. Their drinking habits, their favorite drinks. Their favorite drinks. There are some recipes in there. There are just, it's it's a good time. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yes. So, number one is obviously our good friend Georgie, George Washington. <laughs> <laughs> he drank a pint of Madeira every day for dinner. And Laura's going to tell you what Madeira is because she looked it up. Yeah, so Madeira is a dry white wine that comes from the Madeira Islands, which are located off the coast of Portugal um, and close to Africa, but it is a dry, sweet white wine. We should try it. We should, and it comes up a lot. Many of our presidents were fans of it. This must be a good wine. So we should buy a bottle. He also passed out 144 gallons of hooch during his bid for Virginia House of Burgess. Burgesses? Mm-hmm. Whatever that was, I, I'm not sure. Do you know as, as a history teacher? <laughs> I mean, I think it's when he was running for, like, Congress in Virginia. Okay. Like, he, that it's like one anecdote, right? Like, he gave out all this money, or right. all this, all this alcohol. So, the big thing about George Washington and alcohol, obviously, is that he owned a distillery, or ran a distillery, Mount Vernon Distillery, out of his home. And at the time of his death, he was actually the largest whiskey producer in America. And I read that it, that at the distillery, they bottled 11,000 gallons in 1799 alone, which is, I feel like a lot of whiskey, especially at that time, seems very productive. <laughs> and the formula was apparently about 60% rye, 3% corn, and a little bit of malted barley. He, besides his Madeira, also really liked dark porter, laced with molasses, and that was made in Philly. And I had actually read this on Twitter once. His farewell party tab totals over $15,000 in present-day dollars, which to me is insane. Like, how? How? How could they have spent that much money back then? Well... He was the president, and he was very loved by his country. $15,000 in that time. <laughs> People spend that on party tabs now. Yeah, but now is a different time. He, I mean, he apparently really liked booze because he actually spent 7% of his income on alcohol while he was in office. Like, 7% went only to booze. I wonder if I did the math what percentage of my income goes to alcohol. <laughs> And my last fact about Washington is that he would often have to change his teeth because they would get stained with wine and brandy because he liked to booze so much. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, I mean, also, we know he had a very high alcohol content eggnog punch. Right. I mean, the man liked to drink. Yes. You can, a- you can refer back to our Christmas episode for that recipe. Yes. I mean, he was a partier. He he just really loved alcohol. It seems fitting as the first president of the United States. Yeah. Just, it seems fitting that as the first president of the United States, he had a whiskey distillery. I agree. Okay. So we are going to do 44 presidents. <laughs> <laughs> and they are not all as long. George Washington actually has the most information. Yeah, there was actually more. I just, like, limited it to a small amount of facts. Yeah, so we... Some of these are going to go... Kind of quick, and some might take a little bit longer, um, just kind of depending on what we found out about them. Right. Okay. President numero dos, John Adams, is known to have started every morning with a hard cider. Like that's He woke up and had a hard cider. That was his breakfast drink. Pulled out an Angry Orchards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he also, that's not all he drank. He also was known to drink wine, beer, and liquor um, as it was served at different events. Right. And there's one anecdote that I thought was kind of funny. He once had a party on the 4th of July in Philadelphia during his president presidency in which he served everyone cake and then casks of wine that were laced with rum. 
wine laced with rum. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, like hunch punch or like sangria or like yeah. wine and rum just sounds very sweet. And it does. Very dangerous to serve. Like Fourth of July, it's hot. People are eating their cake. They're drinking their <laughs> eating punch. their cake, drinking their punch. <laughs> but so, he was a drinker, but nothing too scandalous. Next, we got T.J. Thomas Jefferson. I don't know why I called him T.J. <laughs> he not? he was a wine snob, and he spent a lot of time in France and had two vineyards at Monticello, his home. Yes. He would always drink three glasses of wine a day. That's a nice rule, I guess. Always had to have three. It had to be three. Had to be. Uh, He didn't pair it with food like a lot of people do. Like, you know, like your white wine with your fish. He just drank it, I guess, whenever he fucking wanted to. Well, he just, he didn't drink his wine when he ate. Oh, okay. That's clear. Yeah. So he likes to drink it on an empty stomach. <laughs> I just think he didn't want to taint the wine with food. So instead he'd drink beer or cider, apparently. When that's, he had his meals. Yeah, that's yeah. what he liked to drink while he ate. So that he could, like, appreciate the wine on its own. Okay. And he spent nearly all of his money on French wines and our, our Madeira that we mentioned before. Um, he installed a dumbwaiter in his home to have easy access to the wine cellar. Because <laughs> he didn't want to have to go down and pick it up. Ultimate laziness, I approve. <laughs> Good job, TJ. <laughs> um, president number four, James Madison. He, not a huge drinker. He was known to have a glass of champagne every once in a while here and there. And he once said that champagne was the most delightful wine when drank in moderation, but that more than a few glasses always produced a headache the next day. And so he never got drunk. He just would, like, sip on some champagne. I feel that. Champagne does give me a headache. However, his wife, Dolly, that was not her jam. No. Dolly liked to party, and she held weekly parties at the White House on Wednesdays, and she would serve a lemon bourbon punch that was very similar to, like, a whiskey sour. I like Dolly. I feel like she and I can hang. <laughs> Lemon bourbon, lemonade bourbon punch sounds delicious. I know. But so I just think it's funny that, like, he was like, I'll have a, a sip of champagne. And she was like, punch <laughs> every Wednesday. <laughs> All right. Next we got Monroe, James Monroe. So, in 1817, Congress gave Monroe 50000 to decorate the newly rebuilt White House. His interior designer spent mo- most of the money on 12,000 mm-hmm. bottles of wine imported from France. Um, and it'd be about $1.17 million in 2016 dollars. So, that meant that Monroe had to furnish most of the White House out of his own pocket because... He spent a shit ton of money on wine. I mean, it would have been, like, a big scandal if he had done it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess he didn't do it. His interior designer did it. did it without him knowing. Yeah. But if he had done it, it would have been, like, spending Congress's money... Right. ...on alcohol, which... But it sucks that, like, he then had to pay for the furnishings, even though the interior designer (laughs) fucked up. Yes. But... Crazy. Okay. Number six, John Quincy Adams. He once conducted a blind taste test of 14 different kinds of Madeira, and he was able to correctly identify 11 of the 14 versions. Mm-hmm. Like, you could put three glasses of wine in front of me, like red, white, and rosé, and I probably <laughs> couldn't identify them, let alone 14 versions of white, dry, sweet wine. Like, I just couldn't do it. To, just to, to elaborate on that, the other day, Laura pulled out white wine, and a couple of our friends were here, and we were like, what kind of white wine? And she was like, I don't, it, it's white. It took her a minute to, like, look and figure out what it was. That was after I said I was supposed to put that in the fridge, right? <laughs> I'm just not a wine drinker. Um, and John Quincy Adams is also known to have written letters to his mother bragging about, like, his wine collection or the wines he had tried while he was traveling abroad. So, like, 160-year-olds, 
like specialty wines he had tried, um, and he would just like write these letters home bragging. I don't know. I had the best wine today, mommy. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds kind of weird and dirty. I don't know why. Next, Andrew Jackson. Good old Andrew Jackson. He was a terrible ass president. I know. I don't know why I said good old. I was just trying to change the subject. He made, sold, and of course drank whiskey. And in 1829... He had an infamous inauguration rager that got super out of hand. His staff had to put actually put buckets of punch outside of the White House so that all the party guests would like leave. It almost like breadcrumbs. Yeah. Or like, here's here's another bucket, go to that one. And the party actually caused thousands of dollars in damages to the White House. Yeah. It's like one of those inauguration parties that I would want to go to. Because <laughs> I doubt they're that fun now. It's probably a lot of, like, weird politics. Yeah. But that one sounds like a rager. Oh, yeah. Okay, number eight. A president that most people would never list if given <laughs> given the chance to list the president. <laughs> but Martin Van Buren. Um, so, a couple things about Van Buren. He was a very large man. And so he was... There's a lot when you research him where they're like, well, due to his size, he couldn't get drunk. That's why he drinks so much. And I'm like, nah, Interesting. not really. That's but not real. Okay. He was nicknamed Blue Whiskey Van. Um, and he was at basically an open al- alcoholic. And okay. during his reelection campaign, he was known to just like bring bottles to his speeches and just get like wasted. Mm-hmm. And it became such an issue that his opponents would openly mock his heavy drinking and use the nickname Blue Whiskey Van when referring to him on the campaign trail. Mm-hmm. And it actually cost him his second term as president. Like, he lost because he was such an alcoholic. Um, and then there's a, a quote from him that says, if you're asking if I'd rather be president or not get drunk, I think you damn well know the answer to that. <laughs> oh, we do, Martin Van Buren. We do know the answer. <laughs> he was a president for four years. Cool. <laughs> then we got number nine, William Henry Harrison. So during his campaign for presidency, he provided hard cider at his speeches to win over the crowds, which I think is a great tactic. Like, Right, so this would be the same campaign against... Like, he was running yeah. against Van Buren. I mean, I'm surprised Van Buren didn't think of this, to be honest. Van Buren was drinking it all. <laughs> <laughs> so, hard cider at that time, and I feel like even still now, is more of, like, a quote-unquote commoner drink, or, like, it's more accessible than, like, a lot of other drinks. Um, and Van Buren was apparently boozing with expensive alcohol. The fact that he went for this, like, approach... Of, be, of, like, drinking the commoner's drink helped him to win the election, even though he himself was, like, from a rich Virginia family. And it's rumored that he based his campaign and this whole idea on something that a newspaper wrote that said, give him a barrel of hard cider, cider and settle a pension of 2000 a year on him. And take my word for it, he will sit the remainder of his days in a log cabin. And that sounded like a plan. People wanted yeah. that. People were like, wait, I get 2000 a year, hard cider, and a log cabin? I want him for president. Yeah. <laughs> and Van Buren lost. Yep. Um, okay, number 10. We've got John Tyler, which doesn't sound like a president's name. I know. I feel like when you said that <laughs> Martin Van Buren isn't one you'd list, I feel like this is one I would never yeah. remember. Uh, it's like two first names, and I don't yeah. like it. But um, John Tyler... Tyler Liked champagne and, again, was known to write notes home. But this time he wrote to his daughter, like the other guy wrote to his mom about what he liked. Yeah. This guy wrote about his love of champagne and he would write notes to his daughter just being like, Weird. I had the best champagne and I don't know. There's really not a lot of information about him and his drinking habits, but he did enjoy champagne. 11, James K. Polk. He only allowed wine, champagne, and brandy in the White House. All their alcohol was banned. Uh, boo. Which, like, I mean, have you ever gone to, like, a wedding where it's just wine and beer? Like, that's kind of what it reminds me of? Yes, I have. Like, you're not allowed to 
I mean, obviously you'd be allowed to drink other alcohol, but the fact that he's like, you can only have these specific things and anything else you can't have. And way worse than that, because like, yeah, sure, at least you can have wine and champagne. He didn't allow dancing. He was like footloose, like the city in footloose. Oh man, no No dancing. dancing because his wife was a strict Presbyterian. Well, she sounds fun. Okay, number 12, Zachary Taylor, another two first named president. <laughs> Zachary Taylor enjoyed his whiskey. And during the Mexican War, a political aide reportedly visited to inform Taylor that the Whig Party wished to nominate him for president, which, like, exciting. Someone's like, yes, we're going to nominate you. You're going to be president. And his response was, stop your nonsense and drink your whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Zachary. (laughs) He, like, didn't believe them and was like, you know, whatever. But I guess he followed through because... He was, in fact, the 12th president. Yeah. Then we got 13, the nerdiest president name, I feel like, sounding name. Agreed. Millard Fillmore. And to make it sound even nerdier for him, he took a temperance pledge in his early 20s. So, not that exciting when it comes to alcohol. And to make him sound (laughs) even nerdier, (laughs) apparently, quote, merely moistening his lips with some wine once got him drunk. So he just got a little wine on his lips. I think Millard and I <laughs> would not be friends. Um, you know, I just don't understand that. I don't either. Um, so, like, we went with, you know, Mr. Fillmore, who did not drink, uh-huh. to uh, President Pierce, who died of cirrhosis of the liver at 65. <laughs> like, one extreme to the other. Yep. Um, That's not funny, but... No, it's not funny, but... Sorry, I laughed when you said he died, (laughs) but it just is such a big extreme between two presidents. Oh, I can relate. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, When he wasn't supported for re-election in 1856, he is quoted as saying, what can an ex-president of the United States do except get drunk? And he did. And he did. Um, <laughs> he was quite an alcoholic, and he did die of cirrhosis of the liver. So, not funny, but, you know. Interesting. Next, we're going to our only bachelor president, James Buchanan. Woohoo! Party! <laughs> he apparently knew how to have a good time, but rarely suffered from hangovers. Just like our friend Laura here. I love it. <laughs> um, he was once shamed by journalists who wrote that the Madeira and Sherry that he he has consumed would fill more than just one old wine cellar. Okay. So, again, a fan of Madeira. And, you know, I guess in his life he just drank a lot of it. And he spent most of his Sundays going to church. But after church, he'd then swing by Jacob Bear's Distillery for some some alcohols. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah. You know, wake up and be churchly and then go to the church of whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Number 16, one of our most famous presidents, uh, Abraham Lincoln. And I think in no shock to anyone who knows anything about him, knows anything about Honest Abe, he abstained from drinking, smoking, and chewing tobacco. So he was a very clean cut kind of gentleman. (laughs) Honest, you'd say. (laughs) Honest, maybe, yeah. But uh, there are some people who think that that is actually fake and that he, there are opponents that claim before he ran for president, um, he, like, ran a general store or a grocery, and in that time, the term grocery actually meant saloon. Mm -hmm. Um, He denies like, he denied... Ever, he doesn't currently deny that. <laughs> <laughs> he denied ever owning the grocery saloon, but there is a tavern license that was issued to that saloon in the partner's name, like Abe's partner's name. So maybe he wasn't so honest after all. Or maybe... I mean, maybe it was a saloon, but maybe he just didn't drink. Yeah. Just because he ran one doesn't mean he drank. Right. Get off his back, opponents. Leave his top hat alone. (laughs) (laughs) 
Then we have Andrew Johnson, who loved a whiskey and a whiskey drink. <laughs> <laughs> loved the whiskey. Just one. <laughs> uh, in 1865, he showed up wasted to his vice president's inauguration, slurring his words because he tried to treat a cold with whiskey. And Lincoln was apparently not pumped. Yeah, so that's when he was Lincoln's vice president. Yeah. He showed up. Yeah. And it was... I Could you imagine, like, being the vice president? Oh, I president? think I read that wrong. I read it like it, his vice president. Yeah. But he was vice president to Lincoln. Yeah, And he showed up drunk. Especially considering Lincoln wasn't a drinker. Right. I can imagine he'd be super pissed. Okay, number 18, Ulysses S. Grant. Um, so when he was a general during the Civil War, he was known to be a drinker and drink with his troops. But once he became president, he slowed down his drinking. Uh, he did serve champagne at the White House for celebrations, but he was not a known like regular drinker once he became president. Mm -hmm. And at one of these celebrations his entertainment bills could sometimes be as much as, like, $1,800 on just champagne, which, if you're just having a dinner party, it's a lot of money to spend on champagne. That is a lot. But champagne can be expensive. I know, but I just, like, you know, when I host people here, like, my, my bottle of wine is, you know, ten ninety nine. <laughs> Maybe, I think. <laughs> Uh, then we have a real exciting fellow named Rutherford B. Hayes, who banned alcohol from the White House in 1877. Boo! Boo. But his staffers tried to help out visitors. So at one time, they tried to infuse, like, the oranges that were going into a non-alcoholic punch with rum. But Hayes claims that he discovered their plot. And so he, like, substituted rum flavoring in them instead no, of actual rum. No, he didn't. He's lying. He's a liar. Um, number 20, James Garfield. He liked his beer. That's, that's, that's it. it. That's all. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Another person I feel like you might not name, Chester A. Arthur. Like, I feel like that's not the first person who comes to Another mind. Another two first name president. Too. Yeah. So he loved to drink ale with dinner and drink wine and after dinner liqueurs nightly, basically. So we got beer with dinner and then wine and liquor after dinner. Right. Okay. I Almost nightly. Almost. You know, once in a while. He not, not quite an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when a representative of the temperance movement pressured Arthur to consider a no alcohol policy at the White House, he said... Madam, I may be the president of the United States, but what I do with my private life is my own damned business. And, like, good for you, sir. True facts. <laughs> I like Chester A. Arthur. <laughs> I know nothing about his presidency. Not one thing. Not one thing. Um, okay, Grover Cleveland. This story, I think, is hilarious because to make sure he was well-behaved on the campaign trail... He made a promise to his staffers and a pact that he would not drink more than four beers a day while campaigning. Mm -hmm. But he was not able to keep that promise. <laughs> so they amended it that he would not drink more than four tankards of beer a day <laughs> while campaigning. So basically, like, he tried and he just couldn't not drink. He was like, no, no, sorry. I didn't mean four beers. I meant four tankards <laughs> yeah. of beer. <laughs> Uh, and so he liked his beer. So next we have Benjamin Harrison, and he apparently leaned more towards God than the demon alcohol. <laughs> Laura wrote that. I did. That's what it said. Like he was very anti-alcohol. He was very religious, and that's how he referred to it as the demon, demon alcohol. alcohol. Um, he apparently drank tea instead. Yeah, that was his drink of choice. In a turn of events, it's the only time it happens in American history, Grover Cleveland. Comes serves, back. Serves a second term, just not continuously. So I guess all that beer drinking didn't really affect his presidency. 
Because we re-elected him for four more years. Well, he had a super boring Benjamin Harrison that thought the alcohol was the demon, so people were probably like, bring back that drunk guy. We liked him. Yeah, he's a good time. (laughs) Next, we got William McKinley, and he was a rye whiskey drinker and had a few cocktails named after him when he was elected. One was called McKinley's Delight, and I'm going to give you the recipe. Are you ready? I'm ready. You have your cocktail ingredients? Yes, I'm going to make it. I mean, I'm not. (laughs) We should have made one of these drinks. I know. Three ounces of rye whiskey, one ounce of sweet vermouth, two dashes of cherry brandy, and one dash of absinthe. I I would drink that right now. I would. I would actually try that. I mean, that's great. I don't know why it's a McKinley's delight, but sure. Yeah. I guess maybe that was like his favorite thing. Maybe. I mean, apparently rye whiskey was his favorite. Yeah. I would drink that if someone made it for me, right? I'm going to order it at the bar next time. Okay. Um, See McKinley's people know. Delight. <laughs> I feel like McKinley's another president people I know wouldn't nothing name. about. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's number 26. A president everyone knows, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Good old Teddy Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. Um, so Teddy liked mint juleps, which... Let me tell you, is a drink I love. (laughs) (laughs) You and Teddy would have gotten on just fine. Teddy and I would have been BFFs. (laughs) Um, And he used to use mint juleps to, like, get his cabinet members to come and play tennis with him at the White House. Like, I'll serve you a refreshing mint julep. Uh, And he actually, they would use the fresh mint from the White House garden to make them. So, like, that's kind of fun. And, I mean, a mint julep is pretty easy to make, but... They, they provided us a recipe, so I'm going to share it. You take 10 to 12 fresh mint leaves, and you muddle it in the bottom of the glass with a splash of water and a sugar cube. Cool. You add two or three ounces of whiskey, rye whiskey. So, I mean, let's go three. Mm-hmm. A fourth ounce of brandy, and then, obviously, you're going to serve it over ice. And then garnish it with some fresh mint. See, if we had rye whiskey right now, we could have made two of these drinks. What? Well, Back to back. I definitely don't have fresh mint. So, (laughs) negative. I do probably have rye whiskey over there. Probably. You have a lot of alcohol over there. I have whiskey more than I have fresh mint. (laughs) And then um, one story about Teddy is once while visiting a saloon out west, a drunk rancher started calling him four eyes and demanding he buy everyone a drink. Because, like... Yeah, go ahead. Bully the guy with glasses. Yeah. So Teddy Roosevelt stood up calmly, knocked the guy out, and then sat back down and kept on drinking. Good for him. Yeah. But you call him four eyes. Bam. (laughs) I wonder, like, he was president at the time. I don't know. But could you imagine any one of the 44 presidents (laughs) doing this? That would be a huge scandal today. I feel. Like. I don't think it would today, but I if think if someone, if the president punched someone in the face, today's current president. Oh, sorry. No, yeah, no, <laughs> it wouldn't be. Surprising. It would be <laughs> another news cycle. Yeah, that nothing would happen. But if the forty fourth president of the United States punched someone in the face, yes, it yeah. would have been a scandal. Yeah. All right. Next, we're going to William Howard Taft. We're twenty seven. Stick with us, guys. We're past halfway. Yeah, we are. So he was inducted to the Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame, which is a fun fact. Why, I ask? (laughs) Because in 1909, he passed the legislation which clarified the various categories and differences between straight, blended, and imitation whiskeys. And his regulations are actually still the standard today. Nice. So what the fuck is imitation whiskey? Well, I think it's like if it's not made using what they consider a whiskey recipe. Like, you have to use certain, like, hops and certain, not hops, um, like, barley and meat. And you have to, you know, to be considered um, a whiskey or a bourbon depends on where it's made. So, like, he set those legal parameters. Okay. Okay. And that's what got him inducted into the Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame. Okay, Woodrow Wilson. Um, 
so Woodrow Wilson tried to veto the National Prohibition Act um, unsuccessfully. And while he was campaigning for president, he ran on a campaign song called Wilson, That's All. And it was actually came from a brand of whiskey that was popular in like the time period known as Wilson whiskey. And that was kind of, I think, their slogan. Yeah, and I he, actually Googled, imaged it. And it's on, like, the label, it's, like, Wilson Whiskey, and then under it, it says, like, that's all. Yeah, and he just, like, took that slogan for his campaign. Yeah. But he was a Scotchman. Yeah. So, you know. Then we, uh, got Warren G. Harding, who, I don't really know much about him, but was apparently a badass, because he still served liquor in the White House while enforcing, well, no, kind of a Kind of a dick, because he still enforced Prohibition. I was going to be like, it's kind of badass that he served alcohol in the White House, even though it was Prohibition. But he was not very friendly for enforcing it on other people while right. ignoring it himself. So, yes, we're now at the time. I actually don't know the exact years. I'm going to look it up real quick. Warren Harding took office. Um, because we are in the middle of Prohibition now. And so, like, the nation can't drink. Mm-hmm. But Warren Harding was like, oh, well, we can... We can still serve it here in the White House. So, yeah, he, it started under his presidency, I believe. But he did not stick to those rules. He served a very short presidency because he died in office. Okay, number 30, Mr. Coolidge, Calvin Coolidge. So, this is also during Prohibition, and Calvin Coolidge was not a big drinker. And uh, he did every once in a while end his meal with Tokay wine. or It's Tokay or Toki. I think it's Toki. I looked it up yesterday. But um, I then Googled what that was because I'd never heard of it. And it's actually like a sweet white dessert wine that comes from Hungary. So it's a lot like port wine. Yeah. But a white version of port wine from Hungary instead of Portugal. Um but it's like a end of night kind okay. of end cap drink. All right. Then we got Herbert Hoover. Boo. He was an advocate of the era of no happy hours. I don't know what that means. So, I mean, Hoover is president during the Great Depression. Right. And he just, it, and it's also during Prohibition. Right. And so, like, no happy hours. Like, it was kind of like what they call All that time period. Hours. Yeah. I mean, people didn't have money to really drink yeah. anyways, so. Except that rumor has it that Hoover was actually a big fan of martinis, and he would hit up the Belgian embassy at happy hour to elite, or, oh, to legally have drink on foreign soil. So, like, he was like, oh, shit, look, I'm not in America, so I can have a drink. Yeah. Jerk. He, yeah. <laughs> Herbert Hoover, I mean, there are a lot of presidents that have done terrible things, but I think teaching, like, a, when I teach American history to, like, mm-hmm. my middle schoolers, Herbert Hoover always comes across as, like, the worst president we teach them about because we talk about, like, his time during the Great Depression. Uh-huh. So I have, like, this inordinate amount of hate towards Herbert Hoover because he did nothing to help us get right. out of the Great Depression. So, I just don't like him. He's, like, my least favorite president, if I had to pick one, I think. Well. Uh, I was like, <laughs> is, he, is he your least favorite? Yeah. Um, <laughs> out of these 44. Yeah. <laughs> so, number 32, FDR himself comes from New York. We love him. We stan an FDR. Uh-huh. Also, he ended Prohibition. Yeah, so, so amazing. Love him. Um, he, and this is different from, I feel like, almost most of the presidents we've talked about up to this point, FDR was a cocktail guy. Not just like a whiskey drinker or a wine drinker. He loved a good cocktail. So he was into gin martinis. He liked whiskey Manhattans. And then I read somewhere he enjoyed while traveling on boats... Bermuda rum swizzles. What is that? I think it's like a really tropical, like, 
you know, like, girly cocktail. You know what I mean? Like, tropical fruity, served with an umbrella kind of cocktail. I'm going to go up to a bar. Next time we're at a bar and order a Bermuda rum swizzle. swizzle. And I'm going to get a McKinley... Delight? Delight, yes. It's going to be amazing. Okay. Then we got Truman. Harry S. Truman. So every morning, he would get up at 5 a.m., walk around, get a massage, Take a shot of bourbon and then eat breakfast. Every morning. Every morning. He got a massage every morning. <laughs> every and morning. took a shot of bourbon. Before eating. Which yes. seems not great. I feel like that would like I feel like that would make my stomach feel sour. Yeah. Anyway, later on, after all that, he would drink old fashions. I can stand that. <laughs> okay. 34, Dwight D. Eisenhower. Okay. So, Dwight here did not lead a very healthy life. And he was actually quite ill when he was president. And so his doctors did not allow him to drink. He was, like, supposed to not drink. Um, So, he, like, tried not to. But when he did, he preferred scotch. Okay. And then what? when he was stationed at Ford Meade. Um, before was, he was president. Before he was president. It was during Prohibition. He was known to actually make his own bathtub gin. Nice. Um, and, I mean, he liked to drink back then, which could be some of the reasons he wasn't in the best health when he was president. And one time he allegedly punched a hole in the wall of a local cafe after his West Point graduation because he was so drunk. However, some people have said that story's been exaggerated, so mm-hmm. we don't really know. But um, good old Ike maybe partied when he was young. Maybe. Then we got JFK, number 35. He was a pretty average drinker. Nothing too exciting. He liked daiquiris. And imported beer such as Heineken, which apparently was a little bit scandalous at the time. Yeah, importing foreign beer yeah. was not good. Memps full of scandals. <laughs> so many. Also, he was a big fan of Bloody Marys. And women. And women. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a woman named Mary sometime. You never know. Probably. <laughs> Following... JFK's assassination, Lyndon B. Johnson becomes president. He is known during his presidency to throw, like, lavish barbecues. And they say that... That's fun. During all of his barbecues, he always carried around a styrofoam cup of scotch. Why styrofoam cup? I don't know. It was very specific. And it was specifically usually Cuddy Shark brand scotch. Okay, I can understand being brand loyal. Yes. But, like, styrofoam cup loyal is so weird. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But prior to him becoming president, when he was the Senate Majority Leader, um, he would obviously take lots of meetings with members of Congress, and he would always instruct his staffers to make his scotch and soda weaker than his guests so that he would have a clearer mind than they would. Wow. Yes. What a schemer. What a politician. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Then we got 37, Mitchell. <laughs> Mitch- <laughs> I was trying to say Mr. Richard. <laughs> Dick Nixon. <laughs> Nixon we got. And none of these are particularly happy stories. <laughs> They're not funny. They're not happy. They're kind of sad. So Nixon apparently drank when he was paranoid, which was Pretty often, I feel <laughs> Most like. of his presidency. Um, and it often caused him to yell at staffers, fall asleep in meetings, and self-destruct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so during Watergate, he also used Secanol as a sleep aid. And Dilatin? I guess Dilatin. Dilatin. A drug that levels him out. Um, that was later diagnosed to people. People that had bipolar disorders. So. Right. Like, when he was using it, they, uh-huh. like, said it would help with anxiety and things. Yeah. And since then, they've discovered it's actually a treatment for bipolar. Right. So, he wasn't a huge drinker, but one scotch with the pills would apparently get him really drunk. 
um, and he would drunk dial people in his cabinet, <laughs> his staff, or his old football coach. <laughs> but this part's sad. They would stay on the phone and listen to Nixon until he mumbled himself to sleep. I know. Poor so, guy. So depressing. And then I found this other little antidote because Laura was like, the facts I found about Nixon were depressing. Can you find something else? It's not that much better. So when he was in China, he found out about an alcohol called, I didn't look this up, Mayotai is what I'm guessing. And it runs 110 proof. And to like show how potent it is, the Chinese premier, he struck a match over the cup of liquor to show that it would like catch fire. And Nixon wanted to show his daughter this trick, but when he did it, the saucer containing it broke and the whole table lit on fire. Oh my gosh. <laughs> First off, like, like, embarrassing dad moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, poor Nixon. I mean, not poor Nixon, he did bad things, but like, this just makes him all seem so sad. It's... Obviously, I don't want to get into a politics conversation. Right. But, like, these facts about Nixon and, like, him, it was a lot of, like, you know, when things were getting crazy in the media with Watergate, he would be behind closed doors in the White House Mm -hmm. and kind of driving himself crazy and start drinking or taking these pills. And I have to imagine similar stuff is happening right now. Yeah. And, like, there's just so many parallels I see between Nixon. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Current politics. Okay, number 38. Gerald Ford. So, Betty Ford was actually very anti-alcohol, and she started the Betty Ford Center for Alcoholism. And so, Gerald Ford would occasionally maybe have a gin and tonic during, like, company, but he was not a heavy drinker, and they were very... They were very, like, pro-rehabbing alcoholism and trying to get people to not be alcoholics. So, not a big drinker. Next we got Jimmy Carter. Real exciting story here. He prohibited hard liquor while in the White House. That's it. That's all. Yeah. (laughs) But Jimmy Carter, man, that guy is, like, 90 years old Mm -hmm. and still building houses for Habitat for Humanity. And it doesn't say all alcohol, just hard liquor. Yeah, but I mean, there's just got to be something to, like, that lifestyle of not drinking. Because he's still doing well. I think he is the oldest living president right now, as of 2020. I think you're right, yeah. Um, Former president, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, number 40, Ronald Reagan. So, Reagan signed the National Minimum Drinking Age Bill, which... A lot of people disagree with it being 21. 21. They think it should be lower. I personally think 21 is a fine age for drinking. Yeah. But, so, he's kind of known for that. Um, He's also known to have had one screwdriver and then cut himself off. Interesting drink choice. And I'm like, of all the drinks you can choose, vodka orange? I don't know. It's not my go-to. Um... But one time he was caught by Errol Flynn dumping his bourbon cocktail into a spittoon. So, like, he had been served a drink and he was just, like, dumping them out, not drinking them. And he was caught. So, he really was not a big drinker either. No. Uh, George H.W. Bush, the first George Bush in White House, was just an average drinker and he liked vodka martinis and beer. I'm actually surprised that it's just, like, average. Yeah. I don't know, because when I think farmers, ranchers, like, people from the Midwest, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why I have this this opinion that they are, like, big drinkers, but not, not George H.W. Bush. Nope. Okay, number 42, Bill Clinton. And the, I like that we have his name written as William J. Clinton when everyone calls him Bill. <laughs> okay. Well, William J. Clinton. Um, good old Bill. I was really shocked there wasn't more about his drinking habits or I know. Like fun anecdotes. The only thing I could really find is what his favorite alcoholic beverage was, and it's actually called a snake bite, and that means it's like half cider, half beer, which... Is really popular. I mean, like, today we would call that, like, a shandy. Right. right? Like, that's what 
those shandy drinks that were really popular like four summers ago were I think right like half cider half beer those were like half lemonade half yeah beer. I think they were half lemonade so I mean half cider half beer that just doesn't sound like something I want to drink he had Not plenty really. of scandals he yeah. just wasn't a big which is just surprising yeah all right well next we got the other I got both bushes I mean that makes sense yeah. <laughs> Uh, George W. Bush was arrested and pled guilty to drunk driving in 1976. Uh, he became sober in 1985 and was 14 years sober when he ran for president and remained sober throughout his presidency and, uh, is still, still does, still, still is sober and abstains from alcohol. So, you know. Which I didn't know about. I ended up doing a little bit more Googling on it because I was like, arrested and pled guilty to drunk driving and I, apparently it was kept very secret and it leaked like four days before the election. Huh. Before, yeah, and like someone found the record and it came out and they thought it was going to be like how his like elect like how the campaign ended. They, did, they weren't sure if it was going to like right. change the presidency, but he still won. Interesting. <laughs> and then... President 44, mm-hmm. Barack Obama, pictured time and time again with alcohol. Yep. Usually a beer. Mm-hmm. It's his drink of choice. Um, he loved beer so much that, well, he was in office. The White House actually brewed a beer called the White House Honey Ale um, that they served to guests. And uh-huh. it, was, you, it was brewed using honey from... White House hives. Huh. So the bees they have at the White House produce the honey, and that is what they used. Cool. That's it. That's all we got. That's it. We did 44. Yeah. And that's where we're stopping. So I... We used a lot of articles for this. And I, like, only put the links in, so I'm going to have to, like, click on them real quick. So... The first article I used, well, I think this is the one I used the most, actually. It was from Thrillist. And it's all 43 presidents ranked by How, How Hard They Partied by Kevin Alexander and Kristen Hunt. Okay, I also used an article from Thrillist, but a different one that I used quite a bit as well. Nope. Did you? I, I was like, I think all three Thrillist articles were mine. So wait, hold on. Then Oh, no, it's this one that I used the most. Okay. I mean, I use some of yours as well. Yeah. But, so, the article I got most of my information from was um, a website called Madison.com, and it was called A Look at Every U.S. President's uh, Favorite Drink. And, hold on, it's not loading. Go to the top. My goodness. I'm trying to get the author's name. Um, oh, there is no author. But it was a look at every U.S. president's favorite drink on Madison.com, and it was made last October. But it was super, super informative. And like we mentioned, I'd used a couple more Thrillist articles. The other two were Eight Founding Fathers, Insane Drinking Habits by Ted Smith. And, oop, hold on. Pause for the second one, or the third one. Eight Crazy Stories About Presidential Drinking by Kristen Hunt. So two of the articles I wrote were, I mean, wrote, <laughs> read were contributed to by her. Um, and then I also used an article from talesofthecocktail.com. It was written by Laura Relia, and it was five imbibes that changed the course of American history. Nice. One more article I used was from the New York Post, a complete list of every president's favorite drink by Mark Will Weber. And I think I got like one article fact from this Forbes article um, that was How to Drink Like a President by Lana Bortolot, but just want to mention it in case I'm wrong and I got more information from there. Nice. That's it. We got through 44 people. 44 well, presidents. 43 people, I guess, because we had... Oh, Grover yeah. Cleveland snuck in there twice. Yep. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that, that walk through presidential alcohol history. I'm telling you, it was a good time. 
I don't know how we're going to choose pictures for our social media. There's 44 presidents. We only I, have like eight pictures. It's funny. I legitimately just thought the same thing in my mind because we are now probably going to plug our social media. Yes. But because I was thinking like, oh, we're going to plug our social media. I was like, what pictures are we going to post? I don't know. We're going to each have to pick like three president's stories that we like and find photos that are relevant that are relevant okay but anyways you should check out instagram and figure out which ones we chose (laughs) you can find us on instagram and twitter at a tap on the wrist yes is our handle and as always we're always open to suggestions for new stories bar recommendations um send us i don't know Whatever you want. What your favorite president story was. Yeah. Just send us an email. We get so excited when we get an email. So So just do it. Just do it. Help us out. Don't like text us something. If you know us, email it to us. Yeah. You can do that at tapontheristpodcast at gmail.com. That is correct. And now we come to our bar of the week. And this week... We're talking about a bar called Judge Roy Bean. It's in New York City. Laura, Shocker! <laughs> Laura randomly found it one night when we like were in need of an after movie bar. I believe we had we had just gone to a screening of To All the Boys I've Loved Before Part Two, aka yes. P.S. I Still Love You. Yes, great movie. We saw it weeks <laughs> before it came out on Netflix. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, we just wanted a place to like catch up and discuss the movie, uh-huh. have a couple drinks with friends. I did the good old Google search. Yep. And came up with this bar. And not only were the drinks good, and I think the beer selection was good too, right? Great beer selection. The food was really good. Yeah. It Like surprisingly, because it just was like kind of, it's like a narrow, long, narrow bar. And it wasn't super crowded yet because it wasn't that... I think we went, like, pretty early, actually. Um, And I was very pleasantly surprised at how good the burgers were. Yeah. And I also had a take on a Moscow mule. It was a pineapple mule. And it was pineapple-infused stoli, vodka, ginger beer, and citrus. And it was so good. I only had the intention of having one, but I ended up going in for a second one because it was so good so refreshing it a was. mule is always a good choice it is and you were really excited about one of the beers that they had on the menu yes i ordered from Maine brewing company the lunch beer which is an ipa and for a very long time maine did not distribute to new york city so it was something you would only like potentially get if you happen to walk into the right bar at the right time. Yeah. And they apparently have started distributing in New York City, so it's a little bit uh, more frequent in at different bars, but mm-hmm. I was still really excited that it was on the menu. Yeah. And I... You were really excited. I, I was really excited. <laughs> and it was delicious. I mean, it's it's just a really good IPA, and it's got everything you want in an IPA. It's hoppy, and it's uh-huh. refreshing, and it's a little citrusy, and... Yeah. It was great. Yeah. They also have dinner. It's like a whole series. Oh. But I like specifically the, had the, the lunch. Interesting. Beer. And the bar in general just had a really cool vibe. Like the decor was really cool. Yeah. Um, And the, the bartender or waiter, I guess we had, was nice and pleasant and... I'm, lo- I'm looking at their menu, and they have something called a monster mule that serves 10 people, and I feel like we need to go back and order that. It it says Stoli, Stoli Raspberry, Stoli Orange, and Stoli Blueberry. Do you think you pick which one you want, or it comes with all of them? No, I think you get, it's like a flavored mule, and you get to choose raspberry, okay. orange, or blueberry. What, what would you choose? I think Raspberry. I was going to say raspberry, too. See, okay, this is we, why we've agreed. we can get it. The monster mule. We just have to get eight more friends. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, we don't know why it's called Judge Roy Bean. It doesn't say on their website. I did Google, and I saw there was someone named Judge Roy Bean, but he was, like, from Texas, and apparently he did do stuff out of, like, a tavern. 
but so maybe that's where they got maybe it the from. the owners are from Texas. Yeah. Um, but it, it doesn't say on their website. If but anyone it, knows, you tell us. <laughs> yeah. But it's definitely, like, a, a midtown, like, someplace you might just walk by and not even notice. Oh, yeah. But you should save it in your maps for when you're looking for a bar in that part of New York. Yeah, because... and, like, way better than some of, like, the, cra- the crazy bars in midtown that, like, are, like catering to you know tourists, tourists and, and yeah it was pretty chill at least when we went agreed and that's all we got we'll post uh we we have a picture of laura and i from there so we oh, post yes. that and i don't know if i took a picture of my drink individually it might just have to be the picture of us that's i'm okay. holding my drink there we go <laughs> all right guys well we hope you enjoy your presence week if you're off because you're a teacher if you happen to be a teacher in new york city yeah <laughs> off school if not then in. hope you had a good president's day because yeah. a lot of people have that off but it's already past that anyway cheers cheers